Hey everybody, welcome to the You Were Born for this podcast with Father John Ricardo. I am the executive director at Acts 29, where we talk about anything and everything having to do with transformation in the church. I'm here with my uh, dear and grieving sister here today, Mary Guilfoyle. How are you, my friend? Uh, just as you describe me, Father John. Uh, grateful to be here, grateful for the gift of every day, but we have somewhat of a broken heart today, you and I. Yeah, we're here with heavy hearts, and we want to we want to reflect on that, um, not just to honor a dear friend, but also to really hold her up as uh, as an extraordinary example for especially those in parish leadership, right? Whether they're or diocesan leadership for that matter, whether they are um, priests or uh, laymen and women in those roles, right? So, what's our topic? So, our topic for today is the conversation is tell them to do what she did. Uh-huh. This is going to be good. Come Holy Spirit, let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, we just want to thank you today in a very special way for uh, the wonderful way in which you bring people into our lives. For the companions on the journey that you give to us. For the faith that we share, for the laughter, for the joy, for the hard work. And we thank you in a special way, Father, that the veil between us and those who've gone before us is oh so thin until we lift before you all those that we love who've died, uh, that you've called home. We ask that you would be merciful to them, that you would reward them for all the good that they have done, uh, and that you would help us to run the race with perseverance and to carry the baton that has been passed on to us by uh, those who either mentored us or who we had uh, the great honor and joy to serve with. Lord, may this conversation be both uh, encouraging and edifying for those who listen. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So let me tell you where this comes from, this title. Tell them what. Uh, tell them to do what she did. So uh, just the other day, uh, we lost a, a dear friend of ours, uh, Mary Delpup, who... Uh, was a, a wife, a mom, a grandmother, a radical disciple, a dear friend of yours, dear friend of mine, dear friend of so many in the community that is the Archdiocese of Detroit and beyond. Um, so she just passed away and thus the heavy hearts for us and so many people in, uh, in Metro Detroit and, and past Metro Detroit. But I was thinking about her um, in lieu of what we want to talk about. And um, when my mom was dying, uh, a scene came to mind. So I'm, I'm the day my mom died, I had a wedding, which was beyond challenging just because I had to leave my mom as she was in the throes of dying. So my two of my sisters were there. Um, actually, all three of my sisters were there. But I remember looking at my older sister and said, I, I'm really sorry, but I have to go. I got to go to this wedding. I said, I have no idea what I'm going to say. And she looked at me. She says, tell them to do what she did. And she did a lot. And she did a lot. Yeah, she did a lot. So that's exactly what I did. My older sister has uh, is a really wise woman, like my mom. So uh, that's what I did. I went to the to the wedding, and I told them to do what my mom and, and my dad did, and and that's what comes to mind right now. It, you know, this is a time of huge loss for us, but it's this isn't intended to simply be a, a, a eulogy for Mary. It's uh, it's really intended to be looking at her um, and seeing her as an extraordinary model. Right for those in the church uh, to imitate and to follow, right? Absolutely, Father, and um, and it, and it's perhaps our way too um, to honor her. 
because uh, we weren't able to be with her uh, when she was um, when she was ill and to tell her uh, how much we loved her and how much we appreciated who she was and how she did what she did and just the tremendous woman that she was. So we trust that um, she's hearing us honor her. Yeah, right just now. just just as all those uh, who are listening who are, I mean, there's been so much loss in the past, you know, couple of years in a special way. And gosh, I, when I got the news of uh, of Mary's passing, I just started thinking about all the people that we've lost it's in the a last litany, couple it's a of years. Of dear friends and family. Yeah, and and how many people can say the same thing, right? We're Absolutely. all in the same boat together, right? right? That's we're, the reality. We're all right. grieving right now. Absolutely. And we're talking about transformation in the church, and you know, so I'm thinking of this silly little but really helpful family circus cartoon that came to mind when my mom was dying. It was like a split screen cartoon, and on one side was, you know, an older woman in a bed, and she was passing away and the caption, you know, she's surrounded by her children. The caption was, there she goes, there she goes, there she goes. And on the other side of the cartoon was an image of heaven and the angels looking down and the response was, here she comes, here she comes, here she comes. And of course the veil between us and them is so thin. And so this is, you know, we believe in this communion of saints uh, and it's not just a line that we profess in the creed on Sunday. It's a reality. And that's why we can say we say this a lot. We grieve with hope. Yeah, we are very absolutely. sorrowful. We're sad for us. And yet we know that she is, if she's not yet in her glory, yeah. um, she is on her way to that glory. Yeah. And so we thank God for the gift of her life. And we're eager to tell you who, yeah. about who this remarkable woman is and, and, and the many ways that she can inspire and serve as a role model to countless parish leaders uh, in every parish across the country. Yeah, and diocesan ministry too. So I, I met yes. Mary Delpup in 2001. She and I worked together for three years at a place called the St. John Center for Marriage That's and right. Family. And then um, she went to work for the Archdiocese of Detroit after mm -hmm. that uh, in the Office of Evangelization. And then she came back to parish ministry and she and I worked together for for 12 years at the parish where you and I had a chance to serve as well. And so she, she had a number of roles. She was uh, the director of religious education. She was director of evangelization and um, and she discipleship. Was, she was uh, director of Christian service at another time. She kept trying to retire, and I wouldn't let her. Um, we kept finding roles for her. She yeah. would often talk about you know wanting to step back, and I would say, Father, what if we offered this? What if we offered that? But Mary also um, was the director of uh, the women's conferences for many years for the Archdiocese of Detroit. Yeah, in her and, role in the Archdiocese. In the Archdiocese, yeah. right. And I, uh, uh, just those events changed women's lives. Yeah, and, and she was really, uh, for so many years in the parish, she was my, uh, I was going to say she was my right hand. I think I, I was probably her right hand. Um, she mm -hmm. was just an amazing, you know, we talk oftentimes like every leader needs to have a one, a three, and a twelve. Um, that's an expression that's um, right. oftentimes used in the church. You know, so like Jesus had his one, it was Peter, or maybe it was John, depending upon how you look mm -hmm. at it. He had his three, it was Peter, Peter James, James, and John, John. then he had the 12, right. right? And so these were the people who had different levels of intimacy with them. And Mary was my one um, for so yes, many years. She was just, uh, she was the, uh, a rock for me uh, as a pastor uh, and as a priest. And, and more than anything, she was just um, one of my best, friends of all time and uh, an, an amazing person to ministry with. So 
we, we could go on and on, right? But I, I know there's one thing in particular which is so relevant for what we're trying to talk about with transformation in the church, Mary, that once that I know you can speak into like nobody can uh, because you were yourself a recipient of it, but then you saw so many other women get mentored by Mary, right? So can, can you just speak yeah. into what oh, you gosh. saw? Oh, and, especially just thinking yeah. about encouraging leaders to not just be great in their role, but to raise up leaders. Yeah. Mary was so uh, unique in that way. She was this rare woman who could lead with tremendous strength, but she embodied the, the feminine genius so well. And she had a, she had a way of inviting women in ministry to, um, to walk as she walked. So Mary would never say, I would love to mentor you, mm. and here's how I'm going to do it. Mm. What she would do was she would gently invite you to come along, and she would just invite you into all these various ministry spaces. And for aspiring leaders who were fortunate enough to be in her presence, you were keenly, we were keenly tuned in. We watched how she led. Mm. We watched how she spoke. We watched how she prayed. We watched, I mean, we just observed her doing what she did so well. And, 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 and it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't this formal thing, but looking back over the years, hindsight is twenty twenty, and I can say now through where I am, oh, that's why she invited me hmm. to that meeting. That's why she invited me to that role. That's why she did it. All these A, B, and C, from, from, from top to bottom, A, B, and C, and D, and E, and F, all these beautiful invitations. And then she would invite you then to lead. So let me and, make she, a... and, and she would say, you don't have to be afraid. Hmm. You're ready for this, and I have your back. You can do this. And, um, and so she allowed us to step into leadership roles, and I always knew I had a safety net. And she was there to support me and encourage me. And she did this not just for me, but a whole body of beautiful women ministry leaders. And I remember Father John, she said once to me, she said, Mary, you have no idea how much joy I get watching you ladies lead. Mm. Mm. What a beautiful thing. And it, so often, right, we, when we're leaders, the temptation is to like absorb the glory Right, oh, like look, so no, but this is the temptation, yeah. right? So like, look at me, look what I can do, more, pra- me, me. It's like Brian Regan's <laughs> kid, right? The me monster, yeah. right? Let me tell you about me. Mary was so deflecting and she genuinely did, she took, just as you shared, incredible delight, found incredible delight in seeing those that she had mentored um, uh, become people who were just thriving in their role. You, you talked about uh, how she wasn't formal in what she did. She wasn't formal, and yet she was extremely intentional, wasn't Absolutely. she? Absolutely. And so it's a great lesson for leaders to, to be intentional about raising up leaders. We do this really poorly in the Catholic Church, I think. We do it really poorly because I think sometimes we step into leadership and we don't know how to have the eye that Mary had for other leaders and great leaders, Father John Wright, are always looking for who are, what's the next generation of leaders that I need to have an eye out for who can step into this role. That's what great leaders do. And Mary taught me how to do that. And I, 
I remember too, because Mary mentored me, I was in the unique and privileged position of mentoring other women. And I would tell them immediately as they stepped into the roles, look for a mentor and always have an eye out for those people that you can raise up to come behind you. But we come at leadership sometimes with a singular, very narrow focus. And there are people out there who have an enormous treasure trove of gifts and charisms, natural and supernatural, and that's the way the church is going to grow. Right, and, and, and how many people, you know, our experience in, in, in church ministry is often, you know, so-and-so's overseeing a ministry and they've been there for like, 100 40 years. And 182 <laughs> years, right? And so, but this is common. This is common in diocesan settings. It's common in parish settings. And rather than being a pipeline through which continual leaders are, are emerging and being uh, sought after and being mentored, the, the pipeline gets dammed up, right? And I don't know if it's out of our own insecurity or our fear or our... Uh, our pride or our ego or whatever, but we rather than raise up new people, we we dam up the stream of people coming into it, and it's extraordinarily important whether it's a pastor mentoring a, a younger associate so that he will outshine him, perhaps, or whether it's somebody in the various roles that we can have in a parish to identify people who we can walk alongside very intentionally, but not formally help them identify their gifts, raise them up, Encourage and them. then let them go, right? And step into the role that you want head and step aside. Absolutely. And, and, and I think if, at least I, I'm talking from my own personal experience, but to all the women out there who loved Mary as Father John and I loved Mary, you know who you are. We recognize that we were mentored by Mary. And I think because we had the experience of having been mentored, it was like this natural outgrowth that we wanted to mentor other women. So I used to tell Mary, um, when I was 50 years old, I said, when I grow up, mm. I want to be like you. I want to lead like you. And that was always my image for leadership. When I was able to step into a set of things, I wanted to lead like she did and when you've been privileged to be in that place it's incumbent upon us to do the same thing but it really is a natural outgrowth right and 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 you and i were talking before we started to have this conversation mary was a spiritual mother not just to women but to, to our brothers as well but mary could spiritually mother us without smothering us and she stretched us and um, but we always knew that she was right there if we needed her. And you know, she had an enormous capacity, and I think this is so crucial for leaders, um, both in the church and outside the church, just as disciples. She had a tremendous gift of empathy. And what I mean by that is she could take off her shoes and step into yours and speak from that perspective. And she had the keen and very rare gift of listening to people. She pastored uh, uh, beautifully. She had the gift of teaching. And you're right, she was not keen for she was not keen for to be recorded or to be on a uh, to be in an, to be before 
when we used to live stream things or things were recorded or doing an interview, Mary was very much a, beside, a behind the scenes person. She was the strength of that parish yep. uh, where, yep. we, where we came from. Yeah, and she also, you know, she was, uh, this is another huge thing for leaders, right? She was fond of just saying, you know, Father, when it's time for me to go, tell me. You know, That's as opposed right. to holding on to a position. When it's time for me to go, tell me. And uh, apparently the Lord thought it was time for her to go, so he told her. She was a tremendous gift, and it is hard to let her go, so. So do what she did. This is this is the point, right? I mean, so we're, we're trying to do some, we're trying to, <laughs> to grieve uh, here uh, in front of everybody, but we're also trying to lift up somebody because we so desperately need model. right? The, the, the popes have often said, right, the, who was it, Paul VI, who says, we need witnesses more than anything in the Amen. church right now. And Mary was a witness on how to lead. And in almost every segment of our culture, there's a crisis of leadership. And she embodied humility, mm-hmm. strength, trust in the Lord, and this uh, this eagerness to spiritually raise up successors. And my goodness, has she been fruitful thus far? And um, I would imagine she, like uh, St. Therese and all the saints, uh, are going to spend their heaven doing good once she gets there if she's not there already. Yeah, amen. Let me, go ahead. Yeah, I, I know I, you got I, a last I, thought. No, I just, I mean, I have so many thoughts, but I, I remember um, having lunch with Mary, um, in the not too distant past. And I said, you know, Mary, in all of our work with Acts 29, I can tell you that I have yet to encounter a diocesan or a parish leader quite like you. Do you understand, do you appreciate how rare you are? And she said, Mary, why do you think that is? And I don't know what the reason is. All I could say is we need to spiritually multiply men and women like you who can stand up, identify people, pour into them, and send them out on mission. Yeah. There's a huge need for that yeah. in the church. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not just a question of, um, you know, being a, a serious disciple ourselves. I mean, um, it's a question of um, disciple-making at the same time, and she just exuded it. And there's... This is something within our grasp. We can all do this, right? You know, maybe I can close with this. This will seem like going back, but I'm, I'm conscious not only of our loss, right, but of, again, so many. I mean, who of us isn't grieving right now in one way or another? So many of us are, have lost loved ones, or maybe even if it was some time ago, it's still incredibly fresh. And I just found it to be unbelievably providential that at the very day after Mary's death, mm-hmm. uh, which was uh, January 27th, the reflection in the Magnificat, like like off like so she died on the 20 uh 28th excuse me yeah the 28th but the so i love the magnificat the reflections oftentimes have a title that supposedly has to do with the gospel but the reflection has nothing to do with the gospel oftentimes but they're so rich yeah and the one after she died Mm -hmm. i just want to encourage you to hear this as a letter from your loved ones um who might be on the other side and let the the lord speak so this is from a uh a German priest who was executed by uh, the Nazis in 1944, and he's writing to his sister, and this is what he says. Dear Minka, that was her name, at three o'clock, I am going to die. 
Now the hour has come that God in his eternal love has ordained for me. Father Schultz, that good man, has heard my confession and given me the viaticum. In one hour, I shall pass over into the glory of the living God. I have given myself over wholly, completely, and without reservation to God. In his hand, I am sheltered. In his holy heart, Christ will carry me up to the Father. Mary will protect me, and St. Joseph will accompany me. Now I still have to say farewell to you. Receive my heartfelt thanks for all the kind things you have done for me in life. Blessings on you for the love you have given me and for the forbearance and patience you have shown me. It is with particular feeling that I beg your forgiveness for having caused you so much suffering. I commend you to the heart of Christ. God will take care of you. Do not lose courage. Trust in God. He has not forsaken me. I am convinced that mother and father are waiting for me. May the Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit bless you until we meet again in heaven. Some people might think of us as disciples that when we speak those things, we're pipe dreaming and wishful thinking, but we're not wishful thinking whatsoever. Uh, A man really came back from the dead, and when he did it, he destroyed death's power. And he has abolished it. And because that's true and not wishful thinking, do not be afraid. God is with you, and you were born for this.